BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to this free episode of Dunk Don. If you want to get all the Western Conference regrades, you can subscribe to dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. That's dunkdon.supportingcast.fm. Here's Nate and Danny with the first few. Well, guys, this is a, a big pod. You're probably getting used to it every year now. It's the last time we're going to talk to Danny for a little bit here as we're going to get into our season outlooks after this. Uh, Danny, I'm sure you're just crestfallen to uh, not be able to talk to me about basketball for a little while. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. Um, I, have a, I, have a, I, have lot, I have a lot more to do this year. <laughs> Um, put it that way um but but no of course i'll miss it um but we have we have a lot to discuss here as well um and we're gonna start we're gonna go from the start of the alphabet to the end in part because we wanted to shift it around but the order makes more sense this way because of some of the trades that happened between these teams or interactions that happened between these teams so we're going to begin with the dallas mavericks and you and i both criticized the mavericks a year ago this is a regrade for the jalen and Brunson series of decisions, many of the mistakes of which happened before the window that we're grading. However, they also happened in the window that we were grading because Jalen Brunson ended up with the Knicks and it doesn't seem like the Mavericks ever came with a truly competitive offer. And even if they should have engaged earlier and they should have done an extension before this, it is still a pretty big mistake. And that's the place we start. You know, I gave this a D minus last year. It already was a complete disaster, even at that point that they had lost Brunson. And also, we should note, completely failed to replace him in any meaningful way. Uh, They didn't bring in anybody who could handle the ball. It was just Dinwiddie and Luka, and that's it. And of course, uh, they really struggled when Luka was off the floor in the season and there's nothing preventing them other than just money and mark cuban's uh pocketbook and just a general feeling that jalen brunson obviously wasn't that good which they had despite drafting him uh had hewed to uh, for quite some time and we felt like okay you know may- maybe like brunson to the knicks it's like hey you know pretty good point guard not even necessarily a bad contract but you know like isn't he more valuable to the mavs like he's really you know is he maybe the uh the five out in the playoffs was a flash in the pan and yeah he's really important to the mavs like they're they're gonna struggle without him but uh maybe he's not that good oh no actually as it turns out the contract that the knicks signed him to and in fact if the mavs had blown the knicks out of the water by another year and another five million would have actually still been a very good contract to have Jared Brunson on. signed in free agency in modern years because, you know, most free yeah. agent contracts are below water. That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, yeah, the winner's curse, uh, if you will. And so, yeah, as we talked about in the Knicks section last week, this was the best free agent signing of the last, really, four off-seasons uh, since, or three off-seasons, we should say, since 2019. And for the Mavs to let that player go when they could even 
again, many other sins beforehand we don't need to get into when we gave them bad offseason grades <laughs> for earlier, as well as some of the contracts that they signed that left them in this luxury tax pickle. And then a couple of other things that I thought like were okay with this offseason uh, also turned out to be terrible as well. They used the number 26 pick and salary filler to bring in Christian Wood from the Rockets. And while it was a, I, I think I described it at the time as a worthy gamble. And I think that is, it, it still was, it just was a worthy gamble that didn't pay off. That's the nature of a gamble. And Christian Wood is still out there on the free agent market. He didn't solve their problems. So not only is it that you, you know, you gave up a resource, you did it. It's not like the 26 pick, there were great, great players available, but it's still an asset that they had of something that they couldn't include incorporating a trade for somebody who actually could help them or anything else like that or a young player who could help give them like a cost basis and we know the Mavericks are running into that yeah now would at least they got rid of a bunch of other guaranteed money and roster spots but they also gave up number 26 maybe they could have targeted someone else with that uh, who would have helped them more uh, or they could have just used the pick now there weren't a bunch of great picks in that range they could have gotten Jalen Brunson redux Andrew Nembhardt who I'm not saying is gonna be as good as Brunson but kind of same same sort of player uh and someone who maybe could have helped them or or you know, as it turned out, another big really wasn't what they needed. Wood just couldn't defend. He wasn't capable of being the lone center. And of course, the fact that he clearly doesn't seem to have offers above the minimum right now. And Dallas has full bird rights and uh, doesn't seem to want to bring him back under any circumstances. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, still not great to give up number 26. Like I understood the process of it. We had never seen Christian Wood in a real situation that was trying to win. And as it turned out, he contributed to it not being a real situation in which they weren't trying to win <laughs> by the end and of the year. So, Speaking of big man moves that didn't work out, the Mavericks gave JaVale McGee three years, $17.2 million, final year player option, which is fantastic work, fantastic agenting for JaVale McGee's representation. And even though, again, I thought the theory of it was reasonable, you know, he's a, a role man center who who can who can do some of the hustle stuff like JaVale was just closer to cooked than I thought he was and I don't think this was a fit issue I don't think I, I think it just you know we'll run into this a little bit later with the Clippers but you sometimes a player you know an older player ages a little bit faster in some certain stretches and so not only to have JaVale and to use basically the only guy that they paid more than the minimum on it on a new contract they gave, they gave somebody more an extension which we'll discuss but to do that and then have him be as bad as JaVale was in year one and then have two more years remaining that considering their financial constraints what how real you consider those considering mr shark tank but they are real to the organization i mean they haven't even used their full mid-level this year um that is a real constraint yeah javel thought he might be a good role in with luca but then once they got christian wood it really didn't make a, a ton of sense that sure. they had him there's some thought that maybe they had agreed earlier on that they're going to sign javel and i mean giving him the player option on the third year i mean that it, it's obviously uh ah, probably something he's going to pick up but still i mean the third year seems like a ton and they promised him the starting got job and javel came in and uh, determined it seemed like with his uh, off season because he actually was effective for the suns the previous year he came in determined to figure out 
how long a promise to start made to a free agent would last when you're just completely ineffective. And it turned out to be about 10 games or so, if memory serves, until he was just unceremoniously benched for the rest of the season after they were giving him the Keith Bogans of like six minutes a half at the start. So that was no good. The one thing that does look better in retrospect, they went and got the number 37 pick, Jaden Hardy, uh, for 24 and 28 second rounders. And Hardy looked better by the end of the year and looks like he might be able to contribute at this point in time so especially i give you a little bit better grade too when you actually went and got a guy sure. in the draft and it looks like they're identifying him we noted how a lot of the picks that came before that were not as useful and so that was pretty good oh yeah. agreed wholeheartedly agree and then the other kind of like move i agreed with at the time that looks worse for now temporarily is moxie kleba they gave him an extension so it starts for the coming season three years 33 million 11 million a year for a backup is still reasonable money but kleba really had a star-crossed 22 23 missed more than half the season had the lowest per and the lowest usage rate of his entire career last year so there is a chance that they get left holding the bag this will be kleba's 32 33 and 34 seasons but i still think this is going to end up being okay it just had a really rough year a year he was already under contract but for now you can't give shining marks for something on a player i like who had a really rough year no that's true and hopefully that contract will still be okay but you know it seems like he's really going to be in more of a 20 minute per game role which is all right uh, we'll see whether he's still capable of closing games in the playoffs as he has in previous year you know, oh, and if they actually make it because they lost Jalen Brunson. Th- th- there's also one important point to make with the Mavericks that gets lost in the scope of all of these moves. Remember that uh, this feels so long ago that we were coming off of a year where the Mavericks made the conference final. And a part of why they did that was they had this kind of versatile defensive group and they had, you know, they had some different strengths and weaknesses. And but like they they played a way that teams had trouble dealing with. You know, they blew out the Suns in that memorable second round game. And yeah, they, you know, they they weren't super duper close to the Warriors, but they gave them a run during a little bit of it. And they went away from some of the theory of the case with that team. Um, and then they went even further because they still had uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock at that time. And now Dorian Finney-Smith got traded in season and Bullock did not. But they went exclusively for non-switching centers. And so they went in this direction. So we knew they couldn't, and they, of course they lost Brunson. We knew they couldn't play the way that they had played before. And I don't think I fully appreciated it. That's not the reason that things went as badly as they did but it is a part of the reason they did. yeah that team was more than the sum of its parts that got to the conference finals in 22 and they've been far less uh, than that ever since so this was a d minus for me I, I think the old like literally the only good thing they did that i can think of was the hardy pick so making a good pick in the second round is that enough for you to avoid an f minus not when you let Jalen Brunson go for an eminently reasonable contract that you should have just paid up to match and or and exceed. exceed. And I don't care how like they could have paid him the max and it still would have been a good deal in the end for Jalen Brunson to be as good as he was after he left. I mean, and for the Mavs to be well, as and, bad as they were after he left. Well, and, and also what this, a disaster. If you, do, if you do that, then you don't have to trade for Kyrie. And you could theoretically, if you wanted to move up Brunson in time, they would have been able to do it. Like all the, they had all these like downside fears. They missed the downside that was right in front of them, which was you lose a good player for nothing. Let's and it the, stands out because I mean, really the only other instance that I think is even remotely similar to this in recent years is Van Vliet with the Raptors this year. I mean, it really stands out because teams either trade guys or they know what it takes to resign them and they resign them. Like it's just, 
it's inexcusable to let this happen. You know, we're not talking about a situation where the guy was unextendable. We're not talking about a situation like where they just didn't have the bird rights on him. We're not talking about a situation where it was just max contract versus max contract. Like they so had so many chances, including even after they failed to extend him to come to an agreement. And yeah, I mean, actually, please remind me of this when we're done that I want to give out an award for just the overall worst offseason, like most damaging offseason. So not necessarily even like not even considering what was what resources were available, right? Like you can get an F or, or you can get an A within the resources that were available. You only could have like hurt yourself so much. I want to actually say like who set themselves back the most as a franchise. And we're going to have no shortage of candidates here in in what was a crazy offseason. But let's move now to the world champion Denver Nuggets. And I don't know, very briefly, I also gave an M-minus for the reasons we Oh, sorry. It was so obvious. Yeah, it it really was. Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside these things are amazingly durable i proposed my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout you remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my talks from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen 
cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. And so the Denver Nuggets, this was an offseason that, that nothing has changed. They, they, all of the moves that they made during the offseason were in our grading period. But my opinion of it changed dramatically. And there are a number of different reasons why that happened. One of them is the kind of the centerpiece trade of this is that they sent Monte Morris and Will Barton to the Wizards for Kentavious Caldwell Pope and Nish Smith and then extended, important part of this, extended KCP. Um, he got one year and then he also got a player option. We're expecting him to decline that. And that was Calvin Booth evaluating the talent involved better than I did, better than, I mean, better than anyone who was critical of it because Will Barton was cooked. Monte Morris was somebody they missed, but was unessential. And then KCP was vital for them winning a championship and extending him meant that he didn't get to parlay that championship into a big payday in free agency. He get, they get him another year of team control and then they'll probably get that payday in 24. Yeah. KCP was fantastic for them. And I, I noted even while giving them a below average grade that I thought they improved slightly on the floor with these moves that their starters would be a lot better. I was concerned that they had nothing at backup center. I was concerned that they had nothing at backup point guard. And as it turned out, those concerns were totally justified during the regular season. They They were. Now, they got lucky in a sense that everyone else in the West was terrible. Like this Nuggets team was not just like an unbelievable juggernaut. They punched above their weight uh, or a bunch of their point differential with their record. Now, they, if they had pushed a little harder through the end of the season, they might have been able to uh, get into the high 50s and wins potentially and still have gotten the number one seed. But they kind of lucked out with the rest of the West sucking. And frankly, they probably got a little lucky, even though they dominated their competition, that the rest of the West was not very impressive even uh, in the playoffs. But as it turned out, not having a backup point guard, not having a backup center, they just skipped over those positions during the playoffs and they just played Bruce Brown as their backup point guard. They moved on from Bones Highland, who I wasn't a fan of, and I was completely correct not to be a fan of him. And we weren't a fan of DeAndre Jordan and you know Zeke Naji was unproven and uh, their differential with Jokic on and off the floor was absolutely atrocious and Jamal Murray did take a while to get up to speed. All of those observations were correct, but then they just didn't play a backup center in the playoffs. They just went with uh, Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green, which we thought maybe they wouldn't be able to do. Uh, Remember, they let DeMarcus Cousins go. He wore out his welcome from a personality standpoint. Um, So... Yeah, I loved what they did with as far as their starting lineup. Thought they'd miss Barton. He was terrible. Is might be just completely out of the league at this point. He got bought out. Uh, now there's a little bit of criticism there because they gave up a lightly protected first rounder in the future to get the number thirty pick, but that became Peyton Watson, who actually looks pretty good in that range now. Uh, now they and did, it, and it does seem a- like it does seem like Denver is going to be pretty strong in 27 because Jokic did sign a super max extension. I, right. Again, I don't give them huge credit for that because Jokic wanted to sign it they offered they offered exactly what they should it looks it looks great now and you get some it's sort of like you get the number one pick and you make the right decision you know like that that sort of a thing yeah um yeah and he does have a player option they didn't get it the five years but that's that's you know totally. as you said at the time as i re-listened to it uh you win back-to-back mvps yeah we'll give you the player option um but, it, but just to finish up on what they did remember mm-hmm. they got off of jamichael green to save money uh, as well that's part of why they kind of gave up 
a pick that had higher upside for the pick they knew was going to be the number 30 pick. Uh, even if they did make the right pick there, it, it seems like, especially for what they needed with Peyton Watson. Although, you know, again, let's not go crazy off his last five games of the year. In summer league, he's got to actually really produce for the big team, but he's got some potential, uh, certainly athletically. And then also another component of the trade that they made was that they saved money. They had in the Washington deal, you know, what exactly what moving parts could have affected this we're not sure but you know would it have been possible to maybe hold on to Morris I guess it didn't really matter in the end and KCP really helped them so that they saved money they maybe could have done a little bit better in that deal had they not been concerned about saving money uh as they could have in the other other thing but they still were pretty far into the tax and they still did use the tax mid-level with Bruce Braun which was a great signing and yeah I mean they just had an amazing top eight Christian Braun also contributed for them at number 21 we'll see how good he is going forward but you know to get a guy who was halfway playable in the playoffs at number 21 as a rookie outstanding should we talk about the how we feel about uh tim connelly because actually maybe will barton might not have been the most washed departure from the denver nuggets last year it's striking i mean because that remember this is an organization grade not a general manager grade and so a gm switch is a part of that connelly took an opportunity with the minnesota timberwolves and denver you know how much they let him go versus how much like he just wanted to go we don't know because he remember he had been pursued by the wizards and a few other teams previously replaced him with booth and booth had a significantly better 2022 offseason particularly in hindsight than tim Connolly did and like has generally done a very good job there and so that switch looks a lot better now i would say Connolly. we've already done our grades for 23 tim Connolly had a much better 2023 offseason uh, he I, like i would say he did a good job there so it's maybe it's the idea of like okay he did he had he had a rough year but he had a rough year this, as we'll get into one of the rougher offseasons that any general manager has had in modern vintage so yeah i mean you feel better a lot better about that decision even if there are some things that booth did that i disagree with he overall he has done a really good job and understood what the nuggets needed to get over the top even if the top wasn't quite quite as high as we thought it was going to be they still got there and he deserves a ton of credit for that yeah absolutely and and ultimately they made these three moves each of which had this kind of cheaping out component including letting conley go and remember there's this whole thing oh they gave him equity like now nah, that was that was all total spin they just let him go because they didn't want to pay him and they rightly assumed that calvin booth you know maybe they knew he was had been the brains of the operation in recent years who knows but they rightly assumed that he would be able to handle things and he did a fantastic job and the other couple of things like where they were did reap some savings still managed to to win it and win it with a plum well, in the and, end and they, so and they use some yeah. of those savings you could argue to get bruce brown because this was still a team that paid the tax this wasn't you know they didn't i wouldn't say they cheaped out and they're well into the tax again this year so you know they did win a championship they do have a two-time mvp who could have and should have won a third in a row so that's when you spend but yeah i mean that's to me so i think that you know they got the big thing sufficiently right that i was gonna go uh, that i was willing to go in the a range when i gave them a c for the same moves no 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 donovan mitchell trade no nothing else um but they but but not a straight a in part because like the flaw as you said the flaws persisted and they did matter like and if we're at a different season they could have mattered more for their seating um than they ended up doing so i went with an a minus but still still in the a range for sure 
and A- is where I ended as well. Now we can move to the Golden State Warriors, who I originally gave a, you know, an incomplete and then a preliminary grade um, because there were three big moves that we knew the Warriors needed to make that were outside of the grading window or decisions. They didn't have to happen either way. It was a Draymond Green extension, which did not happen. A Andrew Wiggins extension, which did outside the grading window. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. And a Jordan Poole one. So the incomplete, I, so we're not really comparing, we're not, we're not really comparing to our previous grade, though we will talk about those moves as well. And what's so fascinating about reevaluating the Warriors offseason is that the Jordan Poole extension, how badly that turned out, they gave up, basically gave up a pick to get off of it. And they did get Chris Paul in that. We'll see what that turns yeah. into. In time. A very, very, a fake first. Basically. A fake first. That's true. Um, but that, I think, obscures, because it happened with so little drama, the Andrew Wiggins extension, which looks great. And did at the time, too. Yeah, what are the numbers on that? It's a three plus one, so four years total, but the last year is a player option for $109 million. So, like, I mean, that's that's like solid starter, maybe above average starter money now. It's going to become much cheaper than that in time. And Wiggins, not only is he a, a very good player, he has an unusual set of like he players who are his size who can defend multiple positions who don't kill you on offense like even if Wiggins benefits more from being the fourth option on this team than like almost anyone ever has he's still a really good player who you would think that if he had hit the open market this year because it was an extension would have gotten significantly yeah I think so I mean, having him start at 24 million is pretty good and then uh, they did not extend Draymond Green and that actually worked out well because he had a player option for 27 million as the CBA was written at that time they have since changed this you cannot decline a player option and then take an extension for less so they actually ended up getting him for this year for 22 million five million less than what he would have gotten in the player option that actual contract could not have been signed at the time they had to wait until he got to free agency and then he, he ended up getting this three plus one for exactly 100 million but that i thought was a win for them compared to where it could have been especially when you consider the draconian tax that they are facing however I, you have to say for this team they didn't get it done this year they had another great Steph Curry season they ultimately weren't competitive with the Lakers team that ultimately wasn't competitive with the Denver Nuggets and some of that was out of their control such as Andrew Wiggins missing a bunch of the year and being out of rhythm uh, but they they let Gary Payton the second go or that was like the big controversy and then they couldn't stop anybody all season they did get DiVincenzo though to replace him and DiVincenzo was good enough that he ended up signing for way more than they could keep him for there was never a chance that he, he had a player option there was never a chance he was going to be under full team control for a second year so i don't ding them for not getting him for a second year uh but they let gary payton the second go that was ba- they, he got given a pretty big contract by portland although they then actually paid up to get him back on that same contract to the tune of the five seconds that they got by moving on from james wiseman and it's worth remembering too how much of their season was torpedoed by the second unit not working james wiseman completely killing them starting off three and seven being behind the eight ball all the way through jonathan Kamingo was kind of in and out of the rotation moses moody just didn't even emerge again until the playoffs weirdly enough but they really could have used uh gary payton the second and they let him go over money concerns and then they ended up 
having to get him back as they moved Wiseman. Well, it is so it like is no, none noting. of that really worked out particularly well. It is, it is also worth noting that Peyton, I believe the muscle, like well, you can't really account for the muscle injury that happened. Like he might have missed a lot of that time anyway. Um, no, yeah, I mean but, maybe that was another good reason to move on from him. But yeah, and uh, they did. And then, um, but but the decision overall to the, the the other factor in that, like you brought up a lot of good points, but another one to pile on top of it is that the Warriors ended up trading James Wiseman and primarily got Gary Payton back they could have traded James Wiseman for more had they made had they moved on and you could have gotten you know played a solid vet and gotten something for Wiseman and then maybe you keep Gary Payton there and they didn't have to you think you think they could have gotten more for him in the offseason yeah I mean, they didn't really all like if you think about it in terms of like getting Gary Payton back, who they could have just signed to this exact contract in the first place using bird rights. Um, they could have just they they could I, I think they could have at least gotten some yeah. seconds. Like, I mean, I guess they could. Yeah, they could have just pocketed the seconds that they got back in the Wiseman trade, if, if nothing else, if they had just retained. Exactly. Payton. And I mean, and especially considering he ended up going to, to, to Detroit with Weaver, like Weaver has in times like he's kind of ignored what a market would have been to, to get somebody he's interested and like in the Bagley deal, we thought they gave up way too much. And like Wiseman is certainly a more intriguing player than that. So it's it's hard to argue they would have gotten less, I guess is a way to way to put it. And then they would allow them to move on with that structure. And like it's not like James Wiseman showed enough during the time between when the offseason great like when the offseason started last year and when he eventually got traded to be like, oh well they 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 needed to keep working with that to see what was you know there is some evaluation. Um so so yeah that was a pretty significant mistake. Well and- well and I- and on that point, before you move on, I with the with Wiseman with believing Kaminga, who was he, he and Moody were sort of like the Peyton replacements as well. Like they drafted mm-hmm. these guys highly. Like I completely understand why they took the approach they took. I defended it at the time, but the reality was this is supposed to be a championship level of team, and they tried to develop these guys, and it just did not work. And, and so, yes, it's understandable why you do that. You use these draft picks. Yeah, like James Wiseman to just trade him when he had just missed an entire year and you never really got a chance to see him. Probably not realistic. True. But the reality is, like at that time, like there's, I, I don't know that I can go back and say, like, yes, you absolutely should have done this. Like, I don't know that I would have done differently at the time, but also he was terrible and he hurt them. And it was the wrong decision to not move on for him, despite the fact that that's not something someone would normally do. So you, you do have to ding them for that and for just the way that the season turned out, despite the fact that Steph Curry and Draymond Green both played at a pretty high level all season. And yet they were just on fumes getting into the playoffs, barely got to the sixth seed, barely won their first round game against the Kings. Now, who knows how much the punch had to do with that? Um, how much are you dinging them on the pool extension? I'm di- I'm dinging them modestly. I mean, the the idea of what would he have gotten in free agency, and and you know we do see the yay points guys get fetted a little bit in free agency, but I still think it would it wouldn't have been particularly close to the to what he got. And as a reminder, there pool four years, 125 million. Um, so that was a little bit more than Tyler Hero got, and and you know thought it was reasonable at the time, but he. He, the way that he failed with the Warriors, and it's fair that that was a different crucible than we expect otherwise, you know, playing alongside balls in your hands less and you're, you know, you're kind of kind of filling a different role, but it would be good if he could fill that role. And and especially kind of the transition with Clay Thompson was awkward and everything else. And he had a truly disastrous year. And so the now what the, the scenario that probably would have happened, like, I think if you game this out and you don't extend him, then Poole probably, you they, he probably just ends up walking as a restricted for agent. He gets an offer sheet, the Warriors decline to match. Uh, I mean, or... 
I mean, maybe they get him for way less, but they still, I think it was pretty clear that their team with him kind of was not tenable any longer. Again, like I, nobody was saying that was like a terrible deal for the Warriors at the time. Like he had a lot of, a lot of equity. He played extremely well the previous year. Like he, his season was awful and his playoffs were beyond awful. And that's just not something you would anticipate for a guy still young enough to, to be improving. And they did because he was under contract, they were able to trade him for Chris Paul. And we'll see whether Chris Paul actually helps them or not. I still think that there's more. Yeah, There is this hilarious scenario, very parallel to D'Angelo Russell, where the signing itself was bad, but it could end up working out for them. But I'm less confident. Like I think the Russell for Wiggins thing, that's a very fortunate bounce of the ball for them. And I mean, full credit to Bob Myers for making that negotiation and evaluation. But I don't think that Mike Dunleavy, I don't think that his roll of the dice on similar grounds is going to work as well because like they might they might be trying to save money in the Chris Paul thing finding another guy you know if it is the charitable interpretation here of the like it's a different salary hold and you can get it you can you can trade Chris Paul for more things than you can trade Jordan Poole for which I agree with but I'm just not sure they're going to do it so we'll have to see there and then the other thing that happened with the Warriors and this was a bigger part of their grade previously was their draft and they took Patrick Baldwin Jr. who was a highly regarded high school player but then really had a loss year in college playing for his dad in Milwaukee and he didn't really do much last year and they already basically salary dumped him in the Jordan Poole deal. They drafted Ryan Rollins out of Toledo 44. He's already gone as well. Josh Minot, for example, was a guy who I ended up loving, but we hadn't seen at all before that point. But I you know we saw him in summer league. I'm like, oh he's he's definitely seems better. And you know there's some other guys there who are interesting and Rollins is already gone. I do like that the Warriors got up to 44 just paying money. They went from 51 to 44, but they still didn't take a guy who's still with the team. So those didn't work out particularly well either. And then the other kind of move that happened is they, we we thought it was going to happen, but um, it happened outside the grading window was they signed Andre Iguodala and Iguodala, there were times where it looked, it looked okay, but then the problem was, he, you know, every time he took a dunk, it took two, three weeks to recover. And so he ended up not making much of an impact on the season itself. Yeah. And, and for, I think he actually would have played some for them, but he, he ended up breaking his wrist uh, as he was trying to ramp up for the playoffs. So I was torn on the regrade. I'd given them a C plus initially. Uh, I'm torn on the regrade between a D and a D minus. I do think that they played the Wiggins and Draymond things well. And Poole was, yeah, I only would consider that a slight negative in the end. And then, of course, uh, how they dealt with all the young guys, uh, that wasn't amazing. You know, they still could have used like Damian Lee if they had kept him around. I'm sure if they would have been willing to offer him a, a deal, he probably would have stayed rather than going to the Sun. So, oh, well, I'll add in something yeah. just as you're debating with the one move we didn't discuss that we should have. And it's so funny that it was this guy is is Kevon Looney. Looney, three years, twenty two point five million. And that's why I went I went with a D plus, you know, in the D range for sure. But it, with the D plus is that Wiggins and Looney, I think both of those worked out really well. Poole did not. Draymond mostly did. And so like the big things actually went well for them, but it gets dragged down from the above average because every other thing worked out poorly for them, both the decisions they made and how those decisions played out in most cases. Yeah, I think I'll go with the D in the end. What would you have? Uh, D plus. See? The Look, Houston I'm the char- Rockets. I'm, I'm the charitable yep. warrior. <laughs> of course. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. 
See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences, hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz, find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us the houston rockets biggest thing they did was their draft jabari smith jr at number three overall recall of course that he was being talked about as high as number one most were assuming that in fact it would be paulo bancaro going to the rockets and uh, of course he was taken number one smith was deemed to be the third of an obvious top three i had others that i preferred over smith at the time and smith had a few strides but didn't make shots at all during his rookie season and then had a nice summer league but we're talking about two games against summer leaguers so let's not i i think it would be some people are probably getting a little too excited about jari smith jr now going into this uh, next season you know i still think that there are a number of guys that had much better rookie years than him he i think well, his game maybe travels a little bit more i don't know let's just just talk about that smith pick in general How so you feeling about I, I i agree with you that there are a number of players who i like better than jabari smith but the players who i clearly preferred were taken far enough below him in the draft that i don't ding them. So like, for example, I would take Jalen Williams over Jabari Smith right now. We Jalen Williams wasn't even like, we didn't scout him. He wasn't considered like a top 10 pick. So I'm not going to say, oh, the Rockets should have taken him. Like that's, it's it's too much to ask, I would say in that case. But then when we're comparing him to Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey, arguably Ben Matherin, I, I think I would take Jabari. I, I There's a clear argument for like, particularly Keegan Murray. Like it's funny because in some ways they're similar players. Like I think Murray has had, a, he had a much better rookie season, but Jabari Smith's defensive 
potential is intriguing. I I think of that as a a reason uh, we we could end up bearing that out either way. Keegan Murray is also meaningfully older. Um, so I think that if we're narrowing the field to the player to players that the Rockets could have reasonably taken, I'm interested in how you have it. But I don't have it as like an oh they obviously should have taken X over him. You probably consider Sharp within the range. I'm not sure that I think of that as like, and I, I'm not even sure like I like Shaden Sharp not quite as much as you, but like I don't think that's like oh that was a huge blunder or something like that well again i mean it's totally not outside the realm of possibility that jabari smith jr could be better than keegan murray or shaden sharp those would have been the two guys that i would have taken at the time uh, and you know i think i would have smith probably you know about fifth right now in that group not including jalen williams so I, I didn't scout so you know maybe sixth in a redraft uh See, I think I probably would rather have Murray or Sharp at this point, but I'm not, it's still pretty early, uh, particularly because Jabari is so young. And, uh, you know, I just, the biggest reason I wasn't that high on Jabari is he just doesn't, to me, have superstar upside offensively. And, you know, I think Sharp does have that, but Smith could be a really wonderful complimentary piece on both ends to do a lot of interesting things that are are hard to get in one package. So he could be an exceedingly valuable player in the end. So I, I don't think... To me, I put that pick as a slight negative, but not a massive one so far. Although, again, I think I'm allowing Smith's summer league maybe to seep in a little bit more than i should at this point in time and you know some of that one-on-one scoring stuff he did in summer league i don't know how much that's going to translate necessarily so yeah i view that as a slight negative number 17 overall tari eason gotta be a huge positive he probably to me looks like you know is he the best guy taken after jalen williams in the whole draft it's him or uh, but i would probably have walker kessler over him. fair but yeah could, although kessler isn't be, someone like, that, th- that this team would have really considered already having shinkun Presumably. And they, I mean, they did go after Brook Lopez this summer, but Lopez is a more established commodity. But so I, yeah, I mean, that uh, Eason, and, and Eason, especially with his, like, kind of some of his positional tools, he's a, an a aggressive, talented defender. And his offensive game, I think, is a little further along than something. He, he, he could get there. I don't think he's going to be a number one, but if you have a guy who's a wing defender, then they can be a two or a three, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Now, now we'll see whether Eason, if he gets into a real situation like the knock on him is that he doesn't remember plays well, that he's a little bit too much uh, of an airhead out there on the on the floor even though he does play hard and have a lot of athleticism so you know again he's got potentially showed much more potential than a lot of these guys i'm not writing him in as like a future obvious future starter but certainly has great potential on both ends and then you know ty ty washington just 29 isn't on the team anymore just didn't he had kind of a uh injury marred rookie year so uh ended up basically i mean you know 29 picks don't work out that great but obviously Obviously, uh, that one will not be contributing to the Houston Rockets. Uh, and then what else did they do here? They eventually, outside of the grading window, signed Kevin Porter Jr. to this unusual extension where it was four years, $64.4 million, but only the first year is guaranteed. That is the season that we are currently dealing with, 23-24. I think that structure could lead, it, it could lead them to bad decisions, but it could lead them to a good one as well, just because you get that. And, and for Porter Jr. to have that pressure, this isn't like the John Isaac deal or some of the other ones where like you can you can trigger guarantees as far as I understand it. It's just each year you have to earn it. And so for Porter Jr. who had some off the court concerns, had some on the court concerns as well. I think that, you know, so you have him at like low end starter money now that will become backup money in the matter of like a year or two. And I actually think this doesn't fit within the grade, but that Porter Jr. could end up working better within the rocket structure now that they've brought in 
find somebody who can actually run the offense better than him, which is Fred Van Vliet. Um, but the idea that they had him at a reasonable rate, I think that part looks pretty good. No, I, I think that's fair to retain him while also not being tethered to him at the same time. And and really, it seems like that when that will come to a head is in two years after Van Vliet is done. If they really want to get some cap space, they can move on from Van Vliet. They can move on from him. They could re-sign Van Vliet for less money. Uh, and again, this is something that was talked about too. You know, they got Fred Van Vliet. They might have got Brooke Lopez. They ended up getting, of course, Dylan Brooks. The Rockets recall that while there was a mandate to get better this year, in part due to the top four protected pick that they owe the Thunder, such a mandate was not handed down from the throne of Tillman Fertitta last year. And so they were able to avoid doing something like signing somebody to the mid-level or something like that, something that would have impacted their future space and not really helped them that much. You know, they didn't do a Detroit or something like that. Like, yeah, they sucked again this year. Uh, Some of these young guys didn't develop as well as you would have hoped, but they also didn't make a vain attempt to try to get better that would have not helped them at all maybe taking them out of draft range, even if it had worked, and then also future encumbered their books. Yeah, that's a completely fair point. A couple other moves that the Rockets made. They were the trade partner with the Mavericks. That's how they got 29. They traded Christian Wood for salary filler in the 26th pick and then moved down with the Wolves to get two future seconds. I don't know that they're going to be haunted that they didn't take Wendell Moore, Jovic, Baldwin Jr. over Ty Ty. Like none of those guys ended up working out super well, though there were, of course, players they would have rather have taken at 29. And then Jay Sean Tate, they did declined, you know, kind of like a little bit like what happened with um, Herb Jones this year. They declined a team option to basically book him a year early, three years, $22.1 million. I'm not the biggest Jay Shante believer, but I do think that you could, that his contract is perceived as positive value around the league. And it's not like they were using that salary flexibility anyway. So the idea of paying him more to get him at a more reasonable contract. So now part of what you do that you, you take on that extra money then, and then Jay Sean Tate, he's making $6.5 million this year. And then actually, the final year of that 24-25 is a team option. So like, even if it ended up becoming negative value, which it isn't right now, you are able to get off of that if you absolutely had to. So like, that is a, it is a positive move given the structure of their offseason. Yeah, unlike with Herb Jones, I think they really got a significant discount for mm-hmm. opting Tate out. And that was just an, another nice move to use space that they had available to them at that time that really had no other purpose to give him a bump up and then a discount and team consideration uh, uh, in terms of a team option on the last year and yeah you know and so much of this still just comes down to what you think of Jabari like Tari Eason is pretty good the rest of the stuff was meh you know they didn't do anything bad to themselves at least uh, they did buy out John Wall, which probably was a, a good thing. Finally, got some six point five million dollars savings there. And I mean, I feel like I'm just in the C range with this because I still don't think Jamari was the right guy, but he might be. I'm not going to kill them too hard on the Jamari thing as of now. But if he, if you put a gun to my head, I'm going to say, yeah, they should have made. There are two other guys I would have rather had in that range. Now, I guess the other reason you, you don't uh, can't say they should have not taken or, or that asking them to take Sharp was unrealistic. They already had Jalen Green. So, you know, maybe it's really down more in terms of who they actually would have taken or maybe a possible trade down could have been in there too. But of all the teams, like you don't ding them for taking Sharp. And again, I, I acknowledge that Sharp is very much an unfinished product and, and I'm prizing him more for his upside than anything 
anything he's done in anything meaningful in the NBA. Yeah, so I think I'm at a C here. I just I, I have a probably a less strong opinion about this than I do any team that we've done so far. I'm at a B in part because I'm a little bit closer to average on Jabari than you are, and but in part because I think then if you're kind of around yeah. a C well, well, here's there. the thing too, Danny. If they took Jabari, that was just like the obvious guy anyway, right? Sure. Like they don't, so. don't uh, to be consistent with how we kind of do it, they don't really get any extra credit for team. No, that that's why I'm. That's that why there. I'm. At, that's why I'm at about an average. You know, like that. Yeah, they, they did. They did the obvious move, and it's it could work out well. We don't. We're not exactly sure yet. But Tari Eason's working out very well. But the other two things I want to give them a lot of credit for, and why I went above average with them is one is they um, they were able to, and I think mostly intentionally, like keep their keep things tamped down a little bit and and ha- have a better better draft pick for twenty three. As you said, they didn't make those mistakes, but also like everything else that they did in furtherance. You know, like the Jay Sean Tate move. Like they, they didn't do things that truly encumbered their books they made reasonable value moves they and i mean kevin porter jr like if there's any point where they feel he's not worth it then they just well, cut him loose and so the idea that a lot of teams in this they made they made a different they made the right tactical like big picture decision and they made good small picture decisions that fit in with that like the, the, those are mistakes that a lot of other teams make and i think rafael stone deserves credit for doing better the la clippers Oof. before free agency even began they extended robert covington whom they had acquired in trade two years 24 million and he didn't play it off still on the book nick batum two years 22.6 million uh the most they could offer i believe via early bird over two years that was very obviously a wink wink from the previous season when he had just taken 120 percent of the minimum which was far below his market value and, but even then they retained uh, batum who was a, a really valuable player for them he may have fallen off a little bit as well i mean let's recall they're, these guys, most people, I would say the Clippers were the most common pick to win the West going into the season last year. So let's re- we remember that context, and we can also remember that they weren't close to that in the end, although obviously injuries to Paul George, uh, and then of course in, in the playoffs, Kawhi Leonard, although they, I don't think they beat the Suns anyway, even if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, then I thought this was pretty unequivocally a good one. They had Vitsa Zubac on a team option for $7.5 million, Player option. rather than extend him or they actually did technically extend it but they declined his team option first so they bumped up uh it, they gave him about three million bucks in new money last year and then got him for two more years about 11 million so that was pretty good john wall team option thank god for them on the on the second year at the tax mid-level utter disaster he doesn't even have a job anymore he was just completely torpedoing their offense with like 28 usage and under 50 percent true shooting and they brought back Amir Coffee. So, and then this is another one, Danny, that they did not, part of the cost maybe of signing John Wall is that they lost any opportunity to re-sign Isaiah Hartenstein. They did. And I, I think of the Hartenstein situation more like Bruce Brown this year, where it was that, or Dante Vincenzo this year, where they signed a player to a contract that they couldn't really go beyond this year. The Knicks gave him two years, 16 million. But you're right that they could have theoretically, but they could have theoretically given the money that went to John Wall there. They could have used a different exception because yeah. the, the bird rights were insufficient to sign Hartenstein to this kind of a contract. So, and, so if you're Hartenstein, he got two years, 16 from the Knicks. Would you have rather had a one plus one 
at the tax mid-level. So basically a one plus one for 13 million as opposed to a two-year 60 million. I think probably, right? Especially because he had a pretty good role at the club. Probably. I mean, that, that that's a totally fair point. And the the weirdest part of it is, is that you'd go, oh, the Clippers, they needed a point guard. It's like, they've always been doing this dance of like, do they need a point guard? Do they not? And while it obviously would have been better for them because Wall was Wall ended up working out so poorly. And it is a weird free agent class. I was going back and looking at like, you know, the, the free agent rankings and all that type of stuff. And it wasn't a good class in terms of like how a lot of those kind of like taxpayer mid-level level point guards worked out. Like Patty Mills had a rough year. Ricky Rubio was out at the start of the year. DeLon Wright had a good one, but he doesn't fit the same thing. You know, like DeLon Wright's a, a good player who I like quite a bit, but he doesn't really do that. And then, you know, like the minimum guys actually didn't do too great either for the most part. And so like, could they have gotten Tyus Jones? Probably not, um, especially considering everything that Memphis did and didn't do. That doesn't excuse the ball thing. Like, I mean, he's basically out of the league now. And so you made that, you made, and he had been, you know, so so you you made that bet and it worked out extremely poorly. So yes, I think that's completely fair. Like it definitely worked out worse for them. And and what's weird about the Clippers, like I gave them an A minus originally. No, again, like the Nuggets, no moves happened outside of the grading window. So it's exactly the same stuff. And there's a part of me that wants to go, oh well, it's, you know, good intentions, good ideas gone awry. Like with Robert Covington, Robert Covington, you know, player that I've really liked has a even if even if his defense has been overrated at times, has a has a skill set that can be useful. It, he was mostly healthy and only played in 48 regular season games, even though they were depth challenged with the injuries to Leonard and George that extended throughout, like in, at different pockets of the year. Um, and now the extension looks, you know, it's 12 million years and terrible, but considering their books and everything, that's not great. And Batum had a rougher year than we expected. John Wall was a disaster. Coffee is interesting. And they, you know, they, he was tamped down by some of the, you know, like having, having the restricted rights and everything else. Um, but really, Really, the only truly positive thing here is Zubats and Zubats. I, sh- I, I will create. I was murmuring player option while you were talking about him. I was wrong. It is a team option. You had that correct. I, I had it wrong in my notes. I apologize. Um, but so they had a little bit of leverage there. But if we're gonna game this out and say what would Zubats have gotten if they had either picked up that team option and gone to free agency or, you know, like kind of different directions. Well, I mean, he probably would have gotten at least something close to the 20 million a year that Pirtle and Vucevic got. And so you saved some money there and you did pay him a little bit more last year for that opportunity, but not so much that it like fundamentally changed the decisions that the front office made. Yeah. I'm not sure that the league liked Zubats uh, as much as Pirtle uh, or same. I mean, Vucevic is a different type of player, but yeah, I, I mean, mean it same, same meaning I agree with your assessment. Million. I like Zubats a lot, but I, I think the league yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Clearly it would have been 15 million instead of 11 so uh, that was a good a good move i think and then but yeah i mean you know batum i mean i think he's still going to help them this year but last year was supposed to be the, the year that he was really going to help and it just uh, i mean they had to completely change their way of playing it all just didn't work they had to make the trade they end up signing westbrook they they trade for eric gordon because they didn't have enough shooting they had to bring in mason Plumley, and they just played with the center all the time because covington didn't work out and marcus morris completely fell off wall didn't work at all so i do still give them credit for being willing to spend they didn't cheap out but they certainly appeared to misapply their resources this is another one where i totally understand what they did they had their team together they wanted to see what it looked like they still wouldn't find out but their problem wasn't only that paul george and Kawhi leonard were unavailable at times it was that a lot of these other support players some of whom they brought in or some of who they didn't make moves in reliance 
on just didn't work. So I'm going to downgrade them to a D here. I went to a D plus for similar similar rationale. I'm happier with the Zubats move. And I do a little, I, I sometimes am a little less harsh where it's like they got the worst, they got the worst version of an outcome I, I supported at the time. But you, of course, do demerit it. I mean, they went from an A minus to a D plus on the same moves. So that that's pretty significant. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Yeah. Now we go to the Los Angeles Lakers, and it was an eventful offseason, though not as eventful as some of us expected. Part of the reason you and I gave an incomplete at the initial part of this was because nothing had happened with Russell Westbrook, and nothing did happen during the season itself. And it is, a, it is an important distinction, and I'm, this grade is going to be much lower than I think some people would think, because while things worked out very well for the Lakers overall, they could have worked out much better for them other than like, yes, they made the conference finals, like they would have, in terms of seeding and everything else, if they had been proactive. I am not somebody who believes that waiting on making a Russell Westbrook deal yielded a significantly better outcome. This is not waiting to trade Vucevic and getting a stronger return, waiting to trade Kevin Durant. Because the Lakers would have had, maybe the structure would have been a little bit different, but I think they could have gotten players who would have helped them the whole time as opposed to for the last third of the season and the playoffs. That's an interesting way to look at it. My thinking at the time was LeBron and AD need to actually prove that they are at the level that they need to be for it to be worth anything, right? Like eventually they gave up Westbrook and they also gave up a 2027 first round pick. A, I don't think that that deal was out there in the summer to get some of the players that they did, you know, to bring in D'Angelo Russell, who did help them in the regular season and some in the playoffs before, uh, of course, falling off in the Denver series. And they also had no idea what they had in Austin Reeves at that point in time. And a big part of why the eventual moves they made worked was uh, because it elevated the role uh, of Austin Reeves. But relying on him for more than backup guard minutes wouldn't have been very good at all. They... So I thought that I I don't think that that move was out there to be made at the same value for Westbrook. Like generally, the prices are lower for guys at the trade deadline than in the offseason. Not always, so, but so I think in this case, you don't case, think that like so some of the players that have been murmured about for the Lakers at the time, though you you can make an argument that they would have cost multiple firsts instead of just one. Uh, Miles Turner, the Turner healed package, which was very out there at the time, and then well, but that would have been two first round picks. Sure, it would have been. And then the other one is we know that there that Kyrie. Irving would have there was a potential discussion there in a couple different facets and that didn't happen um and that's an interesting question like if the Lakers you know we don't know what the price would have been because we know I I think that would have been two firsts also because 
Uh, I think if it were one first, they would have made it number one. But because of the money was the other problem with Westbrook making so much more. Well, than and, the, and then and we knew the Nets didn't want Westbrook. There probably would have had to have been a third team as the facilitator, yeah. or yeah, or it definitely would have taken two first. Well, well, and here's the other thing on the Irving trade last year too was as we saw. I mean, it was clear that Kevin Durant's fate was tied to Kyrie Irving. If you just look at the actions of it, maybe not the words, some of the reporting, but we talked about this on the Nets show the other day. You just look at the actions that took place. If they move Irving, then they probably really would have had an extremely unhappy Durant and might not have been able to get him back into the fold. And they wouldn't have gotten a, a useful player for Irving the way they did from Dallas. Like the Lakers didn't have any useful players that they could have sent back. So I, I don't think that deal was there unless the return had been overwhelming both of the picks. And I don't know that, like, I mean, they did make the West Finals. Like they were a good team with what they did here. Uh, so I think that they played the Westbrook thing right. I understand that there may have been a path not traveled. I think that they exhausted everything that they realistically could at that time. And I think rightfully didn't want to throw in two first round picks, not knowing where LeBron and AD were at. I think at the point that LeBron and AD proved that they were still worth building around, could still be a part of a team that would make a deep playoff run. Then they did, in fact, make the move that they made. And I thought that was a pretty good move. Even Maybe doesn't look as good in retrospect because Russell is kind of mad and Malik Beasley, who we really liked as a part of that deal, didn't work out. Uh, Vanderbilt obviously did, but they also got rid of Westbrook which was which was useful uh and then some of the other things that they did were like Dennis Schroeder at the minimum that was amazing to, yes, to get him was, at the minimum that was a wonderful move and and like they did give the taxpayer mid-level to Lonnie Walker and he's gone now but he and and he had a weird role within the Lakers was very important before the trades then fell by the wayside and then helped win it one game against the Warriors in the second round that helped get them to the conference finals so his place in this is a little bit bizarre they Troy Brown Jr. at the minimum I think that worked out reasonably well for them you know he had a, he had a nice year and they did miss Malik Monk, who had a nice year with Sacramento, like that maybe then they wouldn't have had some of the urgency to do their to do their other stuff. But yeah, now I did make the point like if they would have offered Malik Monk a one plus one at the tax mid-level, he ended up getting two years just under 20 million with the Kings. Would that have been enough for him to stay? But recall also their strategy was they weren't going to go longer than one year on all these because they were trying to keep some cap space open for this year in case they needed to make some big moves. But then, of course, after the trades, they decided to just maintain this group rather than possibly going the cap space route. But that's I think that's the biggest reason that they didn't make that offer to Monk is because they just weren't willing to be in a situation where they had extra money on their books this year. So they, were, they pretty much limited themselves to one-year contracts. Could they have maybe done better had they not done that? Uh, you know, and it ended up that cap space didn't matter for them this offseason. So it, maybe you could criticize a little bit there. But still, the guys they sent, like Lonnie Walker, they might be going home after the second round if without Lonnie Walker Golden State probably beats them in that game four and then you know maybe they could have won that series but maybe not uh and then well and and the other wild part is that incidentally other than potential 2023 target Bruce Brown most of the other taxpayer mid-level guys actually worked out worse than Lonnie Walker did I mean sure running running through that group it's kind of incredible now John Wall Patty Mills Danilo Gallinari, Joe Ingles, Otto Porter, Ricky Rubio. Those are the guys who made like taxpayer money last year. Lonnie Walker did the second best of it. Yeah. Ever. Well, I guess uh, uh, Divincenzo was a tax level guy too. He just didn't. Go he was. He just didn't thing. take the whole thing. Yeah. 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 They they had to save a little bit to sign their their rookies out of that, but uh, or, or to sign. I think it was Ryan Rollins out of that for Golden State. But 
in the end, here, oh, and then the other thing we didn't talk about was moving on from Frank Vogel. I liked Frank Vogel as a coach, but it seemed like uh, he kind of worn things out with Westbrook and LeBron, and it just wasn't tenable to hold on to him. They made the right call. Darvin Ham did a great job. So Yes. Oh, and there's one more. I, I'm interested in your yeah. thoughts on it because you and I evaluate this player differently. How do you feel about trading functionally Taylor Horton Tucker for Patrick Beverly now, ignoring the Patrick Beverly having a disastrous year part for now? Like, Do you think they regret not having Horton Tucker in the fold anymore? No, of course not, because he wouldn't be in their rotation, and he'd be making $10 million this year. He opted into yep. his player option for a reason. They got, like, getting off of that money for this year was great that enabled them to have enough room below the hard cap to sign Gabe Vincent which they wouldn't be able to do if they still had Horton Tucker they would have had to pay to move on from Horton Tucker and yeah Beverly didn't end up helping them immensely but he wasn't he at least he was an expiring contract and could be more easily moved uh, over the course of the deals uh, that they made so uh, I think in the end especially considering coming in just how barren of assets uh, they were I think that they did uh, exceedingly well here especially when, as you noted because there are just so few guys available so I, I think you got to end up to me oh and they also extended LeBron did we talk about that they, they got uh, him no, back we did not I mean one plus yeah. one is max so, it was you you offer that you offer that and if he takes it he takes it well yeah I, I mean but also like they managed to keep him in the void they they managed to not piss him off enough that he would leave to not he fold <laughs> yeah. uh when he surely wanted them to you know give up two first for Kyrie or whatever they actually played it the right way they still got him to recommit and yeah it would have been nice if you could have gotten two years instead of a one plus one yeah but this is LeBron James you're not going to do that so I, I think I end up especially considering just how few resources they had at their disposal given what an albatross Westbrook was and how impacted their draft picks were I give them an A minus here I think they played it extremely well I've been very complimentary of Rob Polinka since the Westbrook uh, deal was clear that the Westbrook deal was a disaster and uh, you know they went from a team that we didn't think was a realistic contender through some of these moves to get to a point where they got to the West Finals so good for them I'm lower on this in part because I think that the paths not traveled were more com- were were at least compelling. I'm not saying they were necessarily right, you know. So that's, again, we're so like, but so I'm at a I'm at a B minus. I was actually lower than that, but you convinced me to move it higher just on the idea that Kyrie or Miles the Miles Turner Buddy healed thing, like that one of those could work. And yes, you do give up an extra first, and that presumably, like I think it's not fair to say they could have gotten any of those things for one. But those are players who can be a bigger part. And yes, the overhaul did help. But when you really kind to boil it down to well who's going to be a part of the next strong Lakers team like a lot of that is actually the internal improvement of guys they already had you know like so the D'Angelo Russell Jared Vanderbilt like that group Rui Hachimura like I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the overall package even though you're completely right that the 22-23 result was was wonderful for them overall and so we'll see and but like I'm a big Miles Turner guy I'm a big you know supporter of a lot of these and I think they could have re-signed him and everything else and that would have given we'll see how AD functioning I mean he is basically a five but I think that pairing would have worked beautifully in its own way so you know it's it's reasonable minds can differ and it's you know and and it's hard because we're dealing with these counterfactuals and the deals that didn't happen like we talked about a little bit in the net section like it's hard to know exactly where the point of friction was in that deal in particular other than it being russell westbrook who we know the suns didn't want or the nets didn't want we hope you enjoyed this free episode of Dunked On. If you want to get all the western conference regrades you subscribe to Dunked On prime at Dunked On dot supporting cast dot fm that's dunked on dot supporting cast dot fm across america bp supports more than two hundred and seventy five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing jobs like updating turbines at one of our indiana wind farms and 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.